Going through a hard time right now? Pastor Ed Taylor reminds us God is up to something good in and through it all. Many times I believe that God wants to move us from areas where we've become too comfortable and too at ease. So we'll, he'll allow disruptions or he'll personally interrupt and disrupt our lives. And then we'll cry out, why'd you do this? What's going on, God? I don't like this. Get me out of this. And it's almost like heaven can say, oh, Ed, you're praying again. Welcome back. What would you like me to do in your life now? Where you been? Haven't heard from you in a while. And then you're like, Ed, you got a horrible prayer life. No, no, no. You put your name in there. Comfort and ease don't normally draw out these desperate prayers, do they? But difficulties do. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Hey, thanks for joining us today on Abounding Grace. Stick around. We've got a great Bible study to share with you from Pastor Ed Taylor's series in 1 Peter. Pastor Ed, you're about to show us what trials produce in a believer's life. And there have been many of them this past year and a half as we've been faced with a global crisis. Now, how do you think these words in 1 Peter really speak to us? We're at right now as a church and a nation. It's easy to think in the midst of great difficulties, Larry, that this what I'm going through is useless. Uh, it, it amounts to nothing. Why am I going through this? And it's always good to remember, even though it doesn't necessarily take the edge off of the difficulty. You know, speaking to those of you listening that you just you've been in this prolonged, challenging time, and you're like, man, I don't need some pastor to tell me again what trials do in my life. Yeah, I get it. I know it's hard. I get it. I, I don't know any other way to put it. You know, my son passed away eight years ago. Uh, that that has been a challenging, ongoing trial I'll carry with me into eternity. And then things surrounding uh, my son's passing never never seem to end. Uh, just difficulties that continue on. And oh, it's so hard. But the Lord is good. And it's good to know that nothing's wasted by God, that He is working to develop our inward character. He's looking to cut away and remove those things that are hindering our intimacy and our relationship with Him. You know, as a church, as a nation, we go through cycles, don't we? We go through cycles as uh, through trials. You've got national trials, global trials, local trials, family trials, work trials. I mean, you can list every other category, right? But here's the deal. The world is heading in a trajectory of the coming of the Lord. Things have to be put in place. Things need to be arranged. Things are going to happen as the world is under the sway of the wicked one. He thinks he has progress. He thinks he's he's successful. But in all the while, like Judas, Judas thought, oh, you know, the, the religious rulers thought, yes, we got it. We, we've successful. No, no. No, that trial, not you weren't successful. God overrules, and he uses even the worst of times to bring about his perfect will. So put on your seatbelt, you know, be encouraged. 
be strengthened. Email me if you want somebody to pray for you. Email us. Uh, text us. We have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week text line, 720-336-0897. Yes, use it, please. 720-336-0897. Send us your prayer requests. Text them to us. Uh, that number doesn't work for anything but texts, but we'll receive them. Pray over them, and they'll get spread throughout our prayer ministry here at Calvary's Church. Bless you guys. All right. Let's get into the Word now and be encouraged. Here's Pastor Ed in 1 Peter chapter 1. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 48, would you? Would you move back to Jeremiah chapter 48 with me? This happened to a whole country, a whole group of people in Jeremiah chapter 48. The people of Moab fell into this very trap. Pick up with me when you get back there. Jeremiah 48 verse 11. Listen to what the prophet says. It says, Moab in Jeremiah 48 11 has been at ease from his youth. He has settled in on his dregs and has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into captivity. Therefore, his taste has remained in him and his scent has not changed. Basically, using an ancient picture of winemaking, crushing in the grapes, letting it sit, letting the impurities fall to the bottom, taking that barrel and then pouring that juice into another barrel, letting the impurities settle, and then pouring it out until no more impurities. Then the, the wine was exactly the way it was to be, to be fermented. It says, look, Moab is like a vessel of wine, uh, of grape juice that never got poured. It just sat there and sat there and sat there. There was no attention to it. There was no disruption. It says, it describes it here, from, its, from the youth, they've just settled. And I wonder for those listening to me right now, maybe on the radio, that you are just comfortable and you've become settled. And because you've become settled, notice, you go into captivity. That's, that's where people go into captivity to addictions, to sinful behaviors. That's when guys and gals start looking at pornography. They start visiting places, going places, saying things, doing things, thinking things. They become captive to sin. Why? Because their life's not being poured out. And they're settled. And they like it that way. And notice, he says, not only are you go into captivity, but your taste remains. You're ruined. You're ruined because you haven't faced the pouring in and the pouring out. And, and I've always thought this from the very first time this, this illustration was ever shared in a Bible study years ago. I immediately got this picture of the barrel pouring it. And there is some vulnerability when you take a barrel and you pour in liquid to another one where there's that gap between barrel one and barrel two. And you're just out there on your own. And who really wants to be so vulnerable? We have such a protective layer around us. It's in a culture like ours right now, the big thing in our culture is, oh, it's so good to be transparent. It's so good when you meet a real transparent, truthful person. Listen, transparency and truthfulness is Christianity 101. We shouldn't be surprised by transparency and honesty. That comes from the Holy Spirit. Our lives are vulnerable. You will be hurt. You will be betrayed. You will be lied about. You, people will turn on you. They will undermine you. They'll break in and steal. They'll try to harm you, hurt you. And this is the world, gang. This is it. There's a vulnerability. But in the pouring and in the changing and in the movement, in the trials, genuine faith is being developed. Genuine faith. For the church... The believers here that Peter's writing to, the trials were not intended for them to rise up and fight. <laughs> 
Peter doesn't tell him, doesn't say to them, you know, you guys are going, he's not going to say it in any of either one of his letters. He's not going to say, you guys are going through it, big oppression, stand up and fight. He says, no, let me tell you what's happening. Something really good is happening right now. All this stuff you guys are facing, you have to run away, you lose this, you lost that. All this, you know, I want to tell you, God is doing a work. He doesn't give them instruction, rise up, assert your rights, fight for it. No, he says, look, God's doing a work on the inside that you'll never get anywhere else. So that genuineness of your faith is revealed. Many times I believe that God wants to move us from areas where we become too comfortable and too at ease. So he'll allow disruptions or he'll personally interrupt and disrupt our lives. And then we'll cry out, why'd you do this? What's going on, God? I don't like this. Get me out of this. And it's almost like heaven can say, oh, Ed, you're praying again. Welcome back. What would you like me to do in your life now? Where you been? Haven't heard from you in a while. And then you're like, Ed, you got a horrible prayer life. No, no, no. You put your name in there. Comfort and ease don't normally draw out these desperate prayers, do they? But difficulties do. Trials do as they bring out something else that's precious in the believer, and that's a broken and contrite heart. Brokenness and humility and meekness where we're surrendered. And as we cry out, God knows what we need in our times of adversity, and our roots are going down deeper in Him. What are the ingredients of strength in our lives? Let me give you a couple. We could write a whole list, but let me give you three. What are three ingredients that help us to keep us strong? Well, number one, we see hope. That phrase, a little while. Hope. This isn't going to last forever. Now compared to eternity is just a little while. All that you're facing all in your life is only here for a little while. Yes, you're suffering now, but like Paul told the Romans, it's small compared to the glory. Let me show you again. Turn over to Romans chapter 8 now. Go back to Romans with me. In Romans chapter 8, I want you, I'd read these to you, but I want you to see them. Uh, this is so vital. This is foundational to a theology of suffering and a theology of difficulty and a theology of oppression and a theology of, of contrast and difficulty and, and governmental overreach and everything that you go through uh, when it's not fair at work, when it's not fair at home, when it's not fair in the workplace, when life is just not fair. Listen, hope roots you. Notice in verse 18 of Romans chapter 8, Paul would tell the Romans, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to emptiness, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, in hope, because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I consider, Paul says, I look at my life right now, the things I'm going through, and they don't compare to eternity. Hope brings strength. Number two, the believer has purity that brings strength. And you say back in First Peter, where does that come in? Well, where he says in verse 7, the genuineness of faith, it's much more precious than gold that perishes because it's tested by the fire and may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, what's in our lives today is a test. It's a test. Pains have a purpose 
as God's hand is upon your life. You know that even if the trial is coming from the devil himself, there is a limitation going on from the throne room of God. And next to that word genuineness, you can write this word, approved, so that your faith is approved. Another word for this Greek word is tested or put to the test. And it gives us the picture of the refinement of gold. We don't pay much attention to that today, but the refinement of gold is the same now as it was then. In biblical times, the goldsmiths would heat their gold to extremely hot temperatures and then skim off the impurities. And they would do it over and over again. And it was only when the goldsmith, looking at his vat of gold, would look down and could see his reflection clearly in the gold that he knew it was pure. And it was done. And he could turn the fire off and pour it into molds because this is as pure as it's going to get. And you might be in the middle of a serious trial even right now. And there's confusion and there's pain and sorrow and frustration. There's even, I'm finding a a great increase among believers, among people in general, but among believers even in our church, this sense of wanting to control something. You just want to, nothing, you have really no control over a lot of things. So the things that you do have control over, you just want to grasp onto. Whether it's you expressing your opinion in a way that hurts others whether it's running away and going, nah, I'm not, I don't want to, I'm going to run away. I'm going to take off. Or whether it's getting mad at somebody and running instead of just going to them, like Matthew 18 says, and resolving it. And all the time, you're just like internally, you're becoming more mad, more frustrated, more angry, more resentful. And you're just carrying all this stuff. And everyone you're talking, every, the bitterness in your life is defiling everyone. It's uncomfortable not being able to control things. But this is the way it's always been. This latest test is just wanting to refine us so that even in the middle of our serious trial, even as we're in the midst of it now for years and years, some of you can, you can communicate, you can share with me, the man, Ed, it's been years, man. I hear pastor, I've been hearing you say this for years and, and I'm still in it. When's it going to end? I'll tell you from my heart to yours, I wish I could pull out my calendar and give you the date. I wish I could say, I, God gave me the word and it's going to be at 3.05 p.m. on Tuesday, six years from now. Now, six years, may, you might want it in six days, but you'd take six years if you knew it was going to end. <laughs> it's like, okay. I'll, then you'd endure it and you would endure it. And you, instead of trusting in the Lord, you know what you'd begin? If I told you the days, you know what you'd begin? You'd start counting them down. You'd pay more attention to the days than to the God of the days. That's why he doesn't tell us. If you knew the end of your trial and you knew what God was wanting to accomplish in your trial, then you would jump in and try to help it along a little bit. <laughs> says, well, you know what? God says, I'm going to help develop faith in you. And so what would you do? You're going to get all the money out of your 401k and buy every book on faith that you can possibly find. Because in your mind, the quicker you can learn faith, the quicker the trial will be over. But that's not how it works. God has a purpose. God has a timing. And he's refining and the turning up the fires and refining and turning. So then, Ed, you still haven't asked the question. I mean, answered the question. When's it going to end? Well, like the ancient goldsmith, the trial is going to end when Jesus looks at you and sees his reflection. When you begin to reflect the attributes of Jesus more clearly. When you begin to see the fruit of your spirit just flowing in your life. I'm sure as you track back through the trials in your Christian life, you can see the glorious and wonderful changes that came from them. 
You made them through. You made it through them, didn't you? Here you are. We made it through. Well, but, but Ed, we made it through to come to another one. Yeah. Glory to glory, strength to strength. Jesus said you're going to go through many tribulations. Here we have various trials. But as you go look back, I know whether you admit or not, whether you can see it or not, people around you can see it. The longer you walk with Jesus and endure trials and submit to God through them, the more Christ-like you are. And I am certain that you are more Christ-like today than the day you were born again. Even if you can't track it, you can't prove it, don't worry about it. God has done his work in your life. And you're more reflective of his nature. But not only that, we have the hope, thirdly, in strength, we have the hope, little while. We have purity because our faith is precious. But we also have the hope to see Jesus, to be in his presence. One day soon, we will see to him and we will see him, be with him, and hopefully we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You say, what, me? Me? Well done, good and faithful Say, Yes, you. You made it. Here we are. I'm not casting you off. Well, how did I make it? Oh, 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 you of little faith. I told you. I had Peter tell you. I had Peter write it down for you. I had that pastor guy in Colorado emphasize it for you. I kept you all along with my power. I've been with you all along. When you turned to the left, I was there to keep you. When you turned to the right, I was there to keep you. All the pain, all the heartache, all the sufferings will fade away into forgetfulness when we see Jesus face to face. One day we'll be taken up in the rapture to be with Jesus forever in the clouds. One day, no matter what storm we've gone through, God has enabled us to endure and persevere. And in this, we can greatly rejoice. In this. So good. In John chapter 16, verse 22, it says, Therefore, now you, you now have sorrow, but I'll see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. That's what Jesus said. I know right now it's sorrowful and it's hard, but one day I'll see you again, and your heart will rejoice. It's John 16, 22. It's so good. So in the church and in our personal lives, we find that God allows heavy situations and trials to come. Persecutions, pains, difficulties. And as soon as you start turning up the fires of persecution, the impurities are burned away. As we learned recently, if you try to fight this or sidestep this, you're choosing to try to fight and sidestep God's will and fight God himself. It's for a season. There's going to be that revelation of praise and honor and glory when we meet Jesus face to face. This is for a season what we're currently going through. You can fill in the blank of what you're currently going through. But it's for a season. It's for a time. Let's choose to live more purposefully in worship of God. More constantly in the light of His soon return. Let's not be so distracted with the voices and the opinions and the attitudes that have advice. How many people come with advice to your trial? Ask Job. His friends had a lot of advice for him, but they were wrong. The best thing Job's friends ever did was show up, sit down with him for seven days, and say nothing, and just be there with their friend. 
And as soon as they started to open their mouth and try to explain Job's situation and try to help Job out and how, like, like we, we've, it's important in a time, especially in a global crisis where we're all facing the same thing, we've got to train our ears to hear the voice of the Lord. We've got to train our ears to consistently look to Him for our direction. Your faith is more precious than gold. Your faith is more valuable than money. Faith is a spiritual commodity that's infinitely more precious than every possession that you own. It's more important than anything you could ever obtain. And if God, and I would say since God, allows trials to come in different ways, you know that there's a purifying work in your life. That he's working all things together for good. So submit yourself to God. And let the impurities be removed so that we can live more purely for our master. Not for our church, not for religion's sake, not for popularity, not to gain a crowd, not to preach to the choir, but so that we might be growing in grace and faith and reflecting the love of Jesus in a lost and dying world. I know this. God will not waste your trial. God will not waste the trial that's in your life. You may waste the trial that's in your life. You may miss it and have to revisit it over and over again until you get it. Poured, 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 poured. But God won't waste it. So doesn't it make sense, not wanting to waste our time on earth, that we would submit ourselves in cooperation and in collaboration with God, who's already committed to you. He's not going to waste your trial. You're going to come out exactly into the presence of Jesus Christ. Now, cooperating through obedience and submission doesn't mean it's going to feel better. doesn't mean it's going to go away. But it does mean this. You're going to be able to rejoice and enjoy the journey a lot more than having the trial and then the other trial and everybody's opinions and all everybody freaking out and then your disobedience on top of it. My disobedience doesn't make things better. It makes things worse. My disobedience and sin separates me still from God. It clouds my ears from hearing his voice. It separates me from real fellowship with my believer, with other believers, with my friends, my family, my church family. So it just makes things worse. God will not waste your trial. There is a genuineness being developed in your life right now through no other way but through the trials, these various trials that are grieving you. And let me just say, I'm sorry that you're grieved by trials, that it's so hard right now. I wish there was something in my power that it could relieve the pressure. I think one of the ways that I can help you is by teaching you the truth of God's word and letting the Holy Spirit encourage you, strengthen you. But there's a part of me practically that would like to shorten it. I'd like to make it easier for you. I'd like to, well, I'd like to be in places where I'm not allowed. I can't interrupt what God's doing in your life. Like a brother once said to me, I can't do more than God, I can't say more than God says, and I can't say less than God says. I need to stick right with him and what he's doing in your life. So I'll pray for you, and I'll encourage you, and I'll share a testimony with you. I'll point you to God's word. I'll ask you to submit, to surrender, to obey. But listen, whatever God's doing and whatever God's allowed, genuineness of your faith, more precious than all that you've ever owned. It's good. 
Well, we've been in the book of First Peter today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through the book. To hear today's study again, just visit our website. It's AboundingGraceRadio.com. And there you'll find our podcast, also Pastor Ed's blog, our recent radio programs, a place to contact us, and even donate to the ministry as the Lord leads. That's all at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is to download our free app. Do a search for Ed Taylor and listen to Pastor Ed when it's most convenient for you. This month, we picked out a book that we think you'll enjoy. It would even make a great gift or a stocking stuffer. It's The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Sort of like a journalist, Lee Strobel investigates the identity of the child in the manger, focusing on the hows and whys of Christmas. It'll serve to reaffirm your faith and to help seekers pursue solid answers about the first coming of Christ. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Now, please remember, this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. And we'd appreciate it if you'd remember us in your year-end giving to the Lord. To request the case for Christmas, please call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or visit us online at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Well, we're glad you've taken time out for our study in 1 Peter, and we'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.